Welcome one, welcome all back to the show. We're here, it's a lovely Thursday. It's hot. It's getting hot out there, people. Ugh. Us big fellas, we gotta stick together. Take off them hoodies, yes. lock hands, yes. wear black t-shirts because they're they're little they look make you look a little slimmer, you know. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's uh we kind of skipped over spring and went straight from winter to summer. But uh, I guess I'm not going to complain, even though I kind of hate the 90 degree heat, <laughs> the dry heat that I'm getting here in Indiana. Um, but yeah, here we are. We're back with another preview. It's Thursday. We got two cards this weekend, Dom. We got UFC and Bellator. Bellator in London. Yep. So they're going to be early on Friday, 4 p.m. start time, correct, on Friday? Yep, main card, 4 p.m. Yep. And, uh, right, so you can check out the prelims probably at 1, I would say, maybe mm-hmm. 12.30, who knows. UFC, Saturday, per usual. Um, plus, we got a little bit more stuff. Uh, we're also, I guess going to go ahead and say it now. Newsflash. We are, we are implementing or bringing over our nosebleeds concept to the podcast so now there will be a segment featured on both our recaps and preview episodes either showing our below average bet slip for the week or recapping the results on right you will see the results of what we have here for you today so that will now be a part of this show that means no longer a separate betting show Um, we enjoyed doing the betting show it just over time, it felt, at least for me, I don't want to speak for Dom because I was kind of the one that I think brought this up. But for me, I just, I have, I found myself having a really hard time with um, kind of, uh, I guess, it felt like our, com- to me anyways, felt like our conversations were getting a little too, ni- like we were always, we were always trying to write a line where we would focus on more of the betting line talk versus on here. We tried to talk more about the X's and O's and the storylines. But truthfully, we're very novice sports bettors. We're very new to this, so we don't tend, we don't know a ton of the lingo, a ton of the speak. Um, we know a lot about fights, but it just didn't lend itself to the most free-flowing conversation sometimes. And we tried to switch some things up. I was liking going over the whole card, but even that kind of had its challenges because we just don't know every fighter on a card enough to even really give it its time. Um, but I think this way, we're still going to have betting on this show. That's what we really wanted. That was the whole reason for doing that in the first place because we yeah. want sports betting. That's obviously a growing, huge market. I mean, that's just a huge thing right now. And since I live in Indiana, finally, I'm in you know, a legal state for it. Uh, we can make good use of that. And then you're still going to get that content here. So if you're a fan of that show, now it's here. So and we'll have stuff in the, the description timestamp. Mm-hmm. So if you're just here for the betting talk, you can go there if that's what you're looking for. That's right. Now, anything else before we hop right in, Dom? I'm ready to dive into the deep end right now. Well. Oh, wait. Damn it. I got you. Because... You're my floaty device. Because <laughs> now I have it on the script. So I'm never miss <laughs> we it can't again. miss it anymore. I'm going to give you guys the plugs for our social media. Um, Dominic will have to help me out with one, which we will announce here in a second. But as far as our below average Joe's Twitter and Instagram, if you're watching on YouTube, you can look right above Dominic's nice little head. 
But uh, it is at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. A lot of good content over there. We we try to interact as much as we can. We're live tweeting events, at least especially, you know, for like a Bellator PFL, we'll try to even live tweet those main cards and stuff and just interact, ask a lot of questions. Like, what you know, we like to know what you guys think. You know, what does the yeah. public think should be next for so-and-so or how do they like this fight? So a lot of that over there. Um, as far as for our personals, uh, Dominic, you can find him on Twitter, Instagram, at dsley 14 You can find me, I'm Noah, at ntbaker underscore. Both of us have a link in our bio. It takes you to a link tree. There's a host of links on there for all the platforms the podcast is on, yeah. along with the previously said social media platforms. Shout out to today's sponsor, Anchor, for giving us uh, a platform to do this, an Anchor page. I mean, they've do everything for us they make they pay us i mean it's it's great yes um but one more we also are now on tiktok we're trendy cool kids <laughs> well come on dom don't don't play this card dom because the only one between us that's the old person is me because yeah. I'm, I'm a few months older than you true you. True. And uh, because of that, Dominic has somehow uh, weaseled his way into the, pre- <laughs> the, the next generation. Yes. He is he yes. is a TikToker, a TikToky. I don't know if that's what you call fans of TikTok. Right. I, fun fact, never been on TikTok in my life. I know what it is. Like, come on, guys. I, I was a big Vine guy. I think I just held out for that hey, reason. Vine walked so TikTok could run. Yeah, Let's be yeah. honest. I mean, I'm, I'm just a bit of a, like, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm being a dick about it. Like, I'm kind of refusing the new, the new. And girl, that's right? okay. That's all right. But um, I'm happy that we're moving into TikTok because Dominic has made it very clear the amount of views, the amount of exposure we can get, and just the amount of interactions we can get by posting some of the clips that you've seen on maybe our Twitter or an Instagram, we could kind of put it over there along with some other content. Yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't know the potential, but Dominic being the smart, savvy guy he is, uh, and it's already paying off. I mean, already I'm seeing a ton of from, from it. So, Dominic, anything you want to say about the TikTok, maybe where they can find it? Yeah, so uh, thankfully enough, we were able to just get the same at as Twitter and Instagram. I'll try and add the TikTok logo into this background eventually, but it's at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Give us a follow over there if you're on that platform more. Again, we're going to be doing kind of clips, but it allows us to kind of, um, I don't know, post a little bit differently. We can share you know, notable quotes, obviously, in the hashtags, and there's just a big reach on TikTok. We wanted to take advantage of that. I can't guarantee we're going to be doing any dances or anything, but if there is some other different content that we can do there that you know would perform better, we're always open to that. But yeah, just on another platform, more eyes. Excited to keep growing, man. If you guys get us to, is it followers on TikTok? Followers, yeah. If you guys get us to 100 followers by Monday, I will reenact Israel Adesanya's dance when he walked out against Robert Whitaker. I need to clip this. <laughs> I need to clip that and share it everywhere then. Yeah, anyway. Um, I wish I would have made you be the one to do that. I hate that I kind of offered I'll, I'll do a dance with you. you can do we'll the both Vierna, dance. Do the beer, or no, do, the, do like a Johnny Walker style uh, dance when he comes out and he like does okay. a lot of hip thrust, you know? Ooh, I can, I'm good at hip thrusting. He's, we can, like, yeah. he's basically like... You know, when they're putting the Vaseline on them and stuff, like the dude with the cut guys or whatever they call that person. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, can you stop shaking your right. dick in my face? Like, come on now. Right. 
All right. Um, but yeah, good uh, I guess with that, let's get into UFC, Dom. UFC Vegas 54. The main event that us Columbus folk, or us that oh, yeah. Columbus <laughs> folk had stolen from us, is now here. Jan Blahovic taking on number three ranked Alexander Rakic. Feels like a fight that should have happened already, but uh, here we are. Jan Blahovic coming off of losing his title back at Abu Dhabi UFC 267 to Glover Teixeira. Pretty one-sided beatdown that shocked a lot of people. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, Alexander Rakic has been on a pretty decent win streak. Um, I don't know where he's at now. Is it up to like five, maybe? Oh, let me pull it up. I got it. I was on the wrong tab. I don't even know what his last win. Like, I'm kind of struggling to remember. I know he's got wins over, like, Tiago Santos. Um, he's won see. two in a row, but he's 6-1 and one in the UFC. He had that split decision with Vulcan, which, yeah, you know, right. arguably he could be 7-0 and oh right now right. in the UFC. Right. So he's won two in a row, had that loss. Yeah. So his two wins are Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. Yes, yes. Those are the so, two. Okay, so it's been over a year since we last seen yes. Rakic. I did not realize that. Uh, that's kind of the thing with Alexander Rakic. That, I think that tells the story in of itself, is that as talented, as, I mean, great as he can be, he can also be a bit underwhelming at times. That's kind of why I think he struggled to even get, this is what essentially is a title eliminator fight. Yeah. Um, I think that's why it's been a slow build for, for Rakic, even though he's, course pay i mean he i guess it really hasn't but i mean he was fighting vulcan news to me a few years ago i think the activity has been sort of scattered for him yeah it hasn't helped anything but here he is his biggest test to date against the former champion jan blahovich jan blahovich 39 years old now but i mean again he didn't look great against clover but this is a guy that right before that legendary polish power was yeah knocking out everybody was Looking like, a, I mean, beat Israel Adesanya. Yes, I yeah. know it wasn't Adesanya's natural division, but who does that? Nobody exactly. besides him up to this point. Yeah. When you look at this fight, Dominic, um, kind of which way are you leaning? And maybe what what's the kind of element in this fight sticking out to you? Yeah, this is a fascinating fight, man, because Alexander Rakic, don't get it twisted, regardless of kind of the two fights that he's coming off of the one with Santos the one with Anthony Smith relatively dull right lackluster he didn't do much to you know really set himself apart from those and maybe that's why he probably didn't get the title shot as soon as he wanted I mean let's be honest here but he's an elite level talent and an elite deadly striker on the feet with his kickboxing so you know if Jan wants to stand here I have a hard time thinking that Blahovich can close the distance enough for that legendary Polish power to land because Rakic is so good at managing his distance, using his kicks. Now, if Blahovich can wrestle and grapple similar to kind of how he did with Izzy, who is another kickboxer, granted they're different, him and Rakic, uh, but if he can implement that, I think he, there's success there for Blahovich. Yes, Rakic is a relatively good grappler. We saw him do it. Uh, great against Anthony Smith, but he had a bit of an injured leg in that one. Blahovich, I think, is a bit... Um, more resilient, I would say. And I guess just Rakic's defense we haven't seen tested necessarily. So if Jan can test that, I think that's where his success will lead. So if Jan can grapple, or at least even make it uncomfortable, close that distance, land the shot. But Rakic, man, he's so good at managing managing the distance with his kicks and legs. I don't know, man. It's a tough fight for Jan Blahovic. And truthfully, Dominic, I know that the Israel Adesanya fight, that really paid dividends for him. 
But one of the weaker points of Blahovich's game for years was his wrestling. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was his takedown defense, especially. I mean, that's how he lost to Corey Anderson back in yeah. the day and stuff. Because of that, I have a hard time believing, even though he was able to do that against a much smaller Israel Asanya, I don't see that being a really reliable weapon for him here against Alexander Rakic. Now, I do think we might be underestimating Blahovich's ability on the feet, his tit-for-tat ability to go five rounds with Rakic. Um, yes, you're right. I think Rakic might be slightly more credentialed. Uh, the kickboxing's just very fluid, but mm-hmm. he's also kind of a low-volume striker at times. Yeah. That's yeah. how he lost to Volkan Uzdemir. I mean, he's a he's a much more accomplished striker than Volkan Uzdemir is, but yeah. Volkan was much more um, put much more pressure, uh, right? Controlled the with, controlled the octagon much yep. better, and just had more output. That's why he won that fight. And honestly, I remember watching that fight not too long ago, and I scored it for him too. It wasn't a great mm-hmm. fight, but I I mean. Yeah, you could probably make an argument for Rackage, but he was just, it was kind of like the frustration we had with Rose last week. It's like, yeah, she could have won the fight, but. Just well, no output. There's just not much there. Yeah. Um, so that can be Blahovich's biggest weapon here, is if he is willing to pressure Rackage, if he's willing to kind of. I think maybe the. Rackage is a big guy. I mean, he's a. He's, he's big. He's 6'4. looking yeah. dude. But I was going to say, if he could clinch him up, maybe. Uh, try to put some of that old man strength now, the yeah. 39 year old strength on him, um, and just make it a bit of a dog fight. Basically, Dominic, the tail of the tape for me here whoever throws the most is going to win. That is the way I'm looking at it. It's a simple, I know, that's simple. I, am I oversimplifying it? Yes, obviously, I am. Could there be a chance that Alexander Rakic gets a big finish or Jan Blahovich overwhelms Rakic and is able to finish him? Of course. But I see this fight going to full 25 minutes. I see both guys being very cautious of the other man's capabilities, but also whoever is willing to get into that, get into the fire more, is going to end up uh, getting the uh, better of the decision, in my opinion. Yeah, and I got to say too, man, like while this does feel like, it feels like a pretty clear-cut number one contender fight, right? We kind of already said that earlier in the discussion, but I just feel like Rakich... A lot of pressure here. Like, don't get it twisted. There's pressure on Blahovich, former champion. He's looking to make one more run, right? See if he can get the belt before he retires. But Rakic, man, 30 years old, right in the middle of his prime. We recognize that the talent is there. But can he can he get that one big performance or a big finish? Like, I think he really needs that to solidify himself, get the respect that he thinks he's already deserved. So I think there's more pressure here on this fight for Rakic to earn that title fight and the yeah. way he performed. Right. What put him on the map in the first place was, I believe, he had an under one minute finish of Jimmy Manoa. Oh, absolutely disgusting right. head kick. And I think was it Jimmy Manoa or David Branch? I, I forget which. He's one. knocked out. Um, he knocked out both, but uh, Jimmy Manoa was the uh, head kick. Okay. Yes, that was yeah. So that was the one. <laughs> he kind of. I'm not saying it has to be as emphatic or as quick as that one, but yeah, something like that, right? Just something right. to inspire a little bit of confidence that this guy could really pose a threat for a title. Like, we know he can, especially when you have Glover, who I think most would agree. We all love that Glover got the title win and, you know, the story here. But yeah, it feels like Glover is not a long-term champion by any means, right. at least to me. Right. So, 
and maybe a bit of a vulnerable champion. I mean, you could, you'll probably be able to tell my thoughts later on him and Yuri Prohaska. <laughs> Next month, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, if Yuri takes that belt, that's interesting. Um, hmm. But Alexander Rakic is a threat, but it just, I think right now, there's, the casual audience is not necessarily as uh, much believer in that yes. as uh, we are. Exactly. Now, we'll have more on this card uh, later. Actually, you know what? I want to ask you one more question about it. I'm going to do an all Of course. Let me throw it back I, up. Because I actually am interested to hear your thoughts on Jan Blachowicz here. I know we, you talked a lot about Rakic in our mm-hmm. discussion just now. For Jan Blachowicz, in your opinion, if he wins here, is he right back into a title fight? Oh, I would do it. I think why not, you know? Like, he defended twice? Two? One, two once. title defenses, one title or, defense. Yes, he lost his second. Right, lost to Glover. Um, but I mean, and I mean, maybe it depends on who wins next month too. But I would give him another. I think him beating Rakic says a lot, personally. Now Magomed Ankalaev's there and he's surging, but Ankalaev's he's still about to fight. Uh, it's um, Tiago he's fighting Santos somebody. Is about to fight. Uh... Tiago's fighting Jamal Hill. Yeah. I can't remember if Magomed's scheduled right now or if he's freed up. Or isn't he fighting Anthony Smith? He might be. I don't know. Either way, yes. He's not fighting Dominic Reyes, is he? No, Dominic Reyes still has not had a fight booked, by the way, which is crazy. Basically, light heavyweight's kind of a... I mean, there's a lot of intrigue, but it's kind of a crapshoot right now. Yeah, there's inactivity. Well, it just feels like a very firm number one contender fight. And I'm saying crapshoot, not in like lack of contenders it's just basically i don't know how to differentiate anybody behind blahovich and Rakic here like the winner of that fight i feel like is next even if it's blahovich and even if glover wins against yuri and then after that you got anthony smith is a reliable guy yeah you got jamal hill if he beats tiago santos i mean who wouldn't want to see that guy fighting for a title magomed ankhalaev is a clear option I mean, there's just so many guys that are kind of vying for that opportunity, but nobody seems to quite be able to go take it. The brass you know what I mean? Over. Yes, yeah. yes. It's um, crazy. But yeah, more on this card to come later. We do have to talk about Bellator, though. And, uh, That's right. Bellator 281, I believe, is what this is. Bellator London, as it's being called. Mm-hmm. This will be in London, England. We did have a shakeup in the main event. Dominic is now. The number one contender, Michael Venom Page, will be fighting for an interim welterweight title against Logan Storley. Mm-hmm. So Logan Storley coming off of a main event spot against Neiman Gracie. That was a awesome very, fight. very good fight. Uh, very underrated or a bit of a surprising fight. I think. Yeah. Uh, both guys that are much more known for their ability on the ground. Gracie's jiu-jitsu. Storley's yes. wrestling. And they just slugged it out on the feet for five rounds. And it was kind of like Usman Covington, like a worse version of that, kind of. Yeah. That's the best yeah. way I can describe it. So here, Logan Storley is taking the place of our champion. Um, he is um, out fighting. and I mean, he's... On the front lines. Yeah. yeah. So that's unfortunate, obviously. But, you know, I think we can give him a pass for, yeah. for yeah. going to fight for his country. So because of that, now we have an interim title in place. Mike Levin-Page, Logan Storley. Dominic, 
do you think that even though it's not for the the full strap and yes, Yaroslav Amosov, like I, I just think that guy is super talented. He's an animal. I yeah. love watching him fight. But in your opinion, is the fight we're getting here? Are you thinking we're getting a better fight, or do you think we're just losing something because the real title is not at stake and whatnot? Uh, I think. Um... I don't know. I mean, I guess it could play out to be. Almost was pretty dominant, though. Like, it was going to be him and MVP. I I could have seen him honestly making easy work of MVP. Not that Storley can. I mean, he's almost a three to one favorite. I'll say this is our. This fight's fine. It's not any worse, any better. I think it makes sense that there's an interim strap. You don't really know when your champion's going to be back. So if these are the two clear cut guys, which they are, by the way, in my opinion, at least. Uh, then it makes sense. So it's in London. They wanted to do that for MVP, which is huge. He's from there, that region. Bellator, by the way, just does so great over there in the United Kingdom, it seems like, lately. Ireland, Paris, twice, uh, in London. So good on them for that. And this is a huge fight. I hope uh, the crowd reacts as such. We saw how good it was for the UFC. Hopefully it can just be as fraction of good as that crowd-wise here for Bellator. I think this is a good fight, man. And I just can't get over the interesting career to say the least is the word for MVP. He's 16 and one in Bellator yet. Here he is. Is this his first title fight or was his loss in a title fight? I believe his loss to Douglas Lima was not a title. Yeah. So the fact that this man has been in Bellator for so many years and has a record that good, 16 and one, 20 and one overall, and is just now fighting for gold. And it's an interim granted. It was going to be undisputed, but still it's just so mind-boggling to me and we've talked about the matchmaking for him all the time and how bellator didn't really push him ever and when he did get pushed with like lima he had his lone career loss so you know i think that minus 265 line quite frankly makes a lot of sense here for storley yeah a lot of people call mvp a can crusher that's the one mm. that gets thrown around a lot Oof. I would never really go that far. Like, don't get me wrong. He's fought a lot of opponents that have been outmatched. But, yes. You know, Bellator has been one to do that. You know, Jake yes. Hager fighting like JW Kaiser and stuff like that. Like, it happens. But I think overall, Bellator's. I think he's came. He's come up slow, but I think that's been to his benefit. Yeah. Um, because you saw when he got knocked out by Douglas Lima, he was actually performing pretty well up to that point he just got kind of um reckless it might mm-hmm. be a word and got caught and that happened that can happen to anybody um the rematch with lima was not near the the fight it was pretty lackluster yeah. to say the least um it's been an interesting run for mvp and i think there was a time where the audience and the fans were and even maybe the company itself truly were behind MVP and truly felt like he was, you know, one of their top talents. And maybe there was even a debate about yeah. MVP be like even a champion for or a, a, a um, contender for the UFC, maybe. And yeah, um, it was like, just can we get this guy to a title fight? But I think that boat's kind of passed. Like, I feel like there's. Yeah, I agree. I feel like most people have kind of accepted that MVP. Yeah, he sure he might win this fight. I mean, I I asked that question at the beginning because I do think this is a much more competitive fight. I think Amosov was going to do very bad things to MVP. I just think it was a terrible style matchup for him. Yeah, Storley's not much 
better of a matchup for him. Like, that's why the odds tell what it is. I'm actually shocked, though, that they are that much skewed in Stewart's yeah. favor. But it's the truth that, I mean, MVP is like, a, is an he's an electric striker, but if you can get him on his back, he's just, it, it's the same debate we've had with, like, to a He's not as quite as good, but as like an Israel Adesanya, if you right, a wrestler would be the one to be the kryptonite, right? That would, that mm-hmm. would hold him down and be able to control him. Um, that's still going to be the battle here. I just think Storley, as good as he is, I don't think he's well. He did have a fight with Yaroslav Amosov, and that was an amazing fight. Went all for five rounds. Storley lost, I believe, a split decision, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, that was before Amosov had won the title. Yeah. So who's to say if those two rematched that it wouldn't go the other way? Maybe Storley is the best, but from what I've seen of Yam Amasov even since that fight, he just looks clearly like the best in the division. Um, as for MVP, I just yeah he could end up being the interim title holder here, but I just don't really see as much buzz around him as there once was. Um, he's only lost one time, like you said, which is yeah, kind of. Crazy. I mean, he he avenged that loss, but it was kind of a lackluster fight. He's had like he had that very big fight with Paul Daly that ended up being a huge snoozer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, sometimes it feels like the big moments where he could really shine. Yep. Yep. Just it's not even losing. He's just kind of putting on duds. And um, but uh, get, make no mistake about it, he is electric at it when he's on. And because of that, here with Storley, it is going to be an interesting, especially the first round of that fight. It's going to yeah. tell a lot about what's going to go down. I think you're either, I think you're going to know sometime in round one, someone, whether Storley gets a takedown or MVP starts, you know, putting the hands on him real good, you're going to know how the rest of this fight's going to play out as long as it lasts. That's, that's my opinion. I think even though it feels like a more closely competitive bout, someone's going to dominate this fight. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I'll be curious to see how it plays out. More on this card to come as well. But we got some fight announcements. <laughs> fight announcements. <laughs> fight announcements to talk about. Um, first off, a rebooking. Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon. Now happening June 18th. This will be Austin, Texas. So I'm glad that this fight will be in front of a crowd. Your thoughts, Dom? Yeah, I'm just glad they were to rebook it, like you said, in front of a crowd. That's why they moved it in the first place originally from sometime in April to last week's card. Donald had some bad tacos, apparently, fell down with food poisoning. Um, but it, it is. It, I, feel I know. That's tough, I man. I still can't eat Papa John's pizza, but Donald, I get it, bro. I know. I know. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm glad they're getting the, uh, the, the crowd, obviously, down there in Texas. Might get a little rowdy. The cowboy, that's right up his alley, too. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's still going to be a fun scrap, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad they could rebook it relatively not too long after May 7th. Considering the fan, you know, no disrespect to the fans of uh, Phoenix, right? Was that Phoenix, Arizona? Yeah. Carbon? But they booed Shogun Hua. So, I mean, they didn't even <laughs> deserve a Cowboy Cerrone and Joe Lowe's on. No disrespect. True. Because I know True. Columbus booed some fighters, and I wasn't happy about that either. But yeah. because of that, Austin, Texas, that feels more like a cowboy. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm sure that place will be rocking for him. Next one, July 23rd. This is UFC London 2. I don't know if that's what we're going to call it, whatever. I like it. Uh, Molly McCann, Meatball. Mm. Yeah, kind of. She's she's in an interesting matchup with Hannah Goldie. This is yeah. normally, Dominic, 
honestly, before kind of her last fight, if this was being announced, we would have just kind of skipped right over. Mm-hmm. But you can't now. Meatball nope. Molly is a bona fide Big time. star. That's right. I mean, she, hey, her, she's... her Patty Vinwood. They, they, they're the the like, um, they're the it crowd right now. They're the the Scousers, right? Yeah, the Scousers that are taking over the world. Barstool athletes. She's kicking Robbie in the fucking shin and breaking his leg in half. Uh, this is a it's a fun good for Molly, by the way. Being back in London, I mean that crowd went nuts. Obviously, her knockout was going to be ta- it's going to be talked about at the Joey's later this year. Yeah. And if she can even as so much as claw at what she did then against hannah goldie the crowd's gonna go nuts again um hannah goldie interesting kind of matchup in terms of like her grappling and wrestling but meatball molly she's riding momentum right now uh, it's, it's a good fight for her it makes sense but dare i say you know if she were to win this one you gotta kind of start thinking maybe it's time for top 15 for mrs molly it could be but i mean meatball molly's been around for a while though yeah i know i know she's had her fans for there's definitely some because she always was someone who felt like she had more support than where she was like on a card basically yeah this is her fight style man there's a lot of day ones for her but um, yeah you know she's had some rough stretches in her Mm. ufc career so because of that i'm going to be curious to see can she follow up to that put it together you know because now i think everybody's treating her like a star and like a, a real talent for this division but who's to say that she doesn't come in here and look kind of lackluster against hannah goldie Right. This will be a real, a real make or break, I think, on uh, kind of keeping that momentum going. Yeah, I agree. Last one, the biggest one, July thirtieth. This one is still in the in the works. Um, I guess not technically official yet, but Dominic at UFC two seventy seven on July thirtieth, we will not be getting the quadrilogy bout between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Davison is hurt. No. Yep. An interim title is being introduced. Brandon Moreno will take on Kai Kara France. Mm. Uh, friend of the show. Uh, True. Friend of Dom has uh, shouted us out. <laughs> yeah. Via cameo. So shout out to Kai for that one. Um, your thoughts on the matchup. Actually, let me rephrase. I want you to give me your thoughts on the matchup, but I also want you to give it without the title and then with the title the interim title being and like if your feelings change based on that interim title being involved well i don't know much of the severity of davison's injury but i guess it's like both hands so assuming a relatively long layoff if we're implementing the interim title here so for that sake Again, like if an interim title is justified, if your champion's injured or you're defending your country as in Amazov's case for Bellator, then I'm okay with it. So I know you're you don't like it. You probably just wish this was a number one contender fight. Go ahead. Did you really just say you're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that he's out a long time? They put Derek Lewis and Surreal Gone in an interim title fight when Ngannou just wanted one more month. Yeah. Now I get I I'm not like I'm actually when I first read the announcement I really was like very happy I was stoked I said if this there's certain fight like surreal gone Derek Lewis to me didn't feel like a heavyweight title fight no even like you know it regardless of the interim title like it just didn't even feel like that was a true heavyweight title fight Moreno Kaikara France feels like a true flyweight title fight yeah like, it, it definitely. 
of that caliber. They are that good. They are that talented. They are on that hot, big of streaks right now. Well, I mean, I know Moreno's coming off a loss, but you get my point. Is that yeah. I feel like both guys are just two of the best. I mean, they're number two and number three in a division right now, arguably. And because of that, like, it feels like a legitimate title fight. With that being said, again, you know, I'm I, I'm unabashedly a hater of the, of the interim title, and I'm not going to give the UFC the benefit of the doubt because when have they ever showed us that they that they are worth or that that they are uh, um, worthy of our trust on that front? Because they only give interim title bouts when they're not needed. Yeah. So because of that, uh, I think that's just out of the question, but. I mean, it's going to happen. UFC does what it wants to do. The winner will... It's ultimately a number one contender belt. And because of that, I love it. Five rounds, great stuff. Obviously, the pay stuff, too. The winner of this fight will get paid uh, like a champion for True. The, the next fight. So that's cool stuff. So True. And I'm just glad the flyweights, flyweights are getting their shine. That's the second UFC pay-per-view. We don't know the other one for 277 yet. Title fight, right? Because they announced the two for July second. Adesanya Cannoneer is July second. And Holloway Volk. So I don't think we have the second one yet for two seventy seven. Rumor was always supposed to be. I guess we yeah we don't know. I guess Usman Edwards could potentially be that main event, but then Usman's hand. Who knows? Or potentially a second interim fight between Stipe and John, but that looks like it's going to happen in September. Right. Either way, the fight itself, belt or no belt, it's a sick fucking fight. Now, a couple more things that we missed, Nick, and actually this is very much what we missed. We missed from yeah. Stuff we should have talked about Monday. Look, UFC 274 was a whirlwind of a night, and because of that, after the two big moments, the Chandler knockout, the Oli Barangachi fight, and even, I guess, the shit show that was the main <laughs> event, yeah. we kind of forgot that Daniel Cormier was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, Dom. So I think this is the first year where you're getting two inductees into the same wing. Yeah. As, uh, him and Habib are both being inducted into the modern wing. Yes. yes. Along with, uh, of course, Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi being inducted into the fight wing. I don't think they've announced anybody else. So uh, your thoughts on this announcement? I know clearly DC, an obvious first ballot Hall of Famer, but um, him and Habib going in together. You got to think that's the reason, right, that they put DC in this year to do it together with Habib. It's going to be so cool that they get to be immortalized uh, the same night during International Fight Week. And can I just say that when they showed it on the broadcast, they they surprised DC and just the pure emotion. You saw how much his legacy means to him, how much the you know this honor does mean to him, and you know hugging with the guys, Anik and Rogan. It was just a very special moment to witness on pay per view. The crowd went nuts for him, and rightfully so. The guy's a legend, one of what five double champions of all time, defended the belt multiple times at weight classes. It was just a story career, and it didn't take long to get him in. And the same with Habib. Both guys going in relatively soon after retirement, but they damn sure deserve it. Can I just say how nice it was to just see like that real emotion? Oh man. Coming- from this guy like we've kind of we've made our uh jabs at the ufc hall of fame oh it's just a just a dana white friends club or you know some of the names in there maybe not being the most deserving of like hall of fame status Mm -hmm. 
the wings are a little weird fight wing versus fighters and you know it's kind of an interesting setup but yet this guy cared that much yep. about being put in there to and that showed how much he accomplished it was like affirmation for him that he had really done it all in the sport and yep. i don't know that that struck a chord with me when he talked about his parents as he just lost his mom yep. uh, a couple months ago and when he was talking about how wishing his parents could be there like that that hit me so yes uh, shout out to daniel cormier that was a waterworks moment for yours truly yes i agree adding to the roller coaster of a night yeah what what a what a night yeah uh now let's get into the rest dom because we got a ton of fights to talk about and actually i missed something in what we missed i was gonna yeah. say I just like to keep you on your toes, I guess. Um, yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, PFL from last Thursday or Friday. Thir- Friday. Friday night. Yeah. From last Friday, there was a big moment on the PFL broadcast that we somehow missed to talk about. Um, that's AJ McKee, Dom. He actually mm-hmm. was on the broadcast and not just in the, the stat, you know. Sometimes you, Bellator Dublin's got Conor McGregor in the stands and stuff, but here, AJ McKee on the broadcast, talking to the commentary team, decked out in PFL gear. Oh, yeah. And now we know that in the lead-up to his rematch with Patricio Pitbull, he was going in as the featherweight champion. He was talking a lot about wanting to be a UFC champion and um, a lot of contract talk. And then he ends up losing the fight so we didn't really know where that stood. Like we, I think a lot of people maybe expected Bellator to kind of shower him with the money that he wanted to keep him because he is kind of the star for them. But Dominic, this move by him here, is this, is this all, I mean, is it all just as simple as like, oh, he's just playing a little mind games, trying to negotiate and stuff, trying to give himself some leverage? Or is this a clear sign that maybe he's looking to get out Bellator. Oh, I, I mean, I could definitely see it. Like you said, he was talking a lot about everything but Pitbull in the lead-up to their fight. It just seemed like his mind was elsewhere. And, um, you know, maybe he's just trying to chase that bag. He's made it pretty clear that he loves it, and he wants, you know, he already has $1 million Grand Prix in his belt, and he wants to chase the zeros now. Um, you know, this being over here at the PFL on the broadcast, repping their gear and whatnot, I can't say that it wouldn't make sense for him to move to PFL and to be you know, obviously in their tournament-style format, but with the chance to win another million dollars. You know, it's not every year that Bellator does a Grand Prix in your division, right? They're scattered. You don't get it every single year. And the PFL, you know, every year there's a million dollars up for grabs in your weight class, and I know that A.J. McKee has to have his eyes on that, not to mention another portion of this and why I think he could have been there with this whole super fight pay-per-view division that the PFL starting next year, whether that be, hey, You know, I'm going to be in Bellator, but I'm trying to fight one of your guys on a pay-per-view, or I want to represent the PFL and fight Bellator on your pay-per-view cards next year. Whatever the case may be, I think there's more to this than just, ah, he was wearing their shirt and they happened to interview him. I think he's got his eyes on the Professional Fighters League. I know that the PFL concept, what they do, their model, is kind of a hit or miss for people. We both love it but yeah. some people don't love the season format it's never seemed to be the most every company that's used it has either eventually moved away from it like Bellator or has just ceased to exist 
Um, but I do like the PFLs, what they do. I like their concept as long as they stay away from the Challenger series. But uh, <laughs> yeah, with this, like, I think you're going to, and we talked about this, like, it's kind of crazy. A guy like Rosh Manfio, he would maybe be a top 15 guy in the UFC. He won the tournament last year, and because of that, he got more money than probably every top 15 fighter in his division in the UFC yeah. made that year. Yeah. And that's very lucrative to some of these guys who maybe are on their way up, who are looking for opportunity, looking to get paid is really what the focus is here, right? And yep. Maybe they're not quite UFC caliber, the UFC's not knocking on their door. This is going to become very interesting, Dominic, when Bellator, for more or less, sort of abides by the UFC's model. So because of that, they tend to get only people that either the UFC doesn't really want or that they, I guess, I don't know, like aren't UFC caliber. Right. Um, occasionally you get – now that Bellator's done a good job, of course, of signing guys when they're – Zero and zero. Yeah. AJ McKee, for example, and people <laughs> like that. But because of that, I, I wonder if over time this might be a huge weapon for the PFL to really grow and maybe even overtake Bellator as the second yeah. MMA company because that's a very, very lucrative opportunity. Yes. You're someone you think you're really good, you're not getting the calls from the UFC, Bellator's kind of lowballing you. If I win this tournament, I can get a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, think of like, think of some of these like women's featherweights in Bellator right now. Like, they're probably like, man, if Kayla leaves, I could just bulk up ten pounds. Yeah, maybe I can come in there and get a million dollars. Like, I'm sure the level of talent's growing rapidly, so maybe there will become a time where it won't even be like that anymore, and you're just gonna have a lot of high level fighters there. But I definitely think that's going to be something to keep an eye on for the next few years. And this is just another reason why I think that just AJ McKee, I think there is legitimate interest there. Yeah. hundred percent. The rest. Now the rest. That. Back to the UFC. We go co-main event in that light heavyweight division, Ryan Spann taking on Jan Kudalaba. Dominic, my only question for you, what kind of shit will Kudalaba pull in the face off? I just don't want anybody to get hurt is all, please. But, uh, yeah, he, he, t- he he's the king of face-offs, man. There's no one more intimidating than that guy. If he's yelling at you, getting in your face, painting himself green. Depends on your definition of king. <laughs> king of cringe of face-offs, yeah. I yeah, Triple C, hold Kudalaba's beer. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> cringe. Um, but, yeah, it should be interesting. Obviously, thank goodness they're not doing, like, a big in-person weigh-in. It'll just be a quiet one at the apex. But we don't need anything drama uh, the interesting fight you kind of pointed out to me before recording. This is an odd co-main event, and I agree. I didn't even know it was the co-main event until taking notes this morning for the show. Uh, but it's definitely potential to be like a barn burner for as long as it lasts. I think someone's going to get finished in this fight. You know, both guys coming off uh, losses as well, too. Ryan Spann got submitted by Anthony Smith. Or no, Kudalab is technically coming off a win, and then he had a draw. But he had those two losses to Magomed on of the first one. We know how crazy that was. Second one, not so competitive. Uh, but, yeah, these are two guys that are finishers. They can be finished. I don't think it lasts very long. Yeah, I think for this fight to not go to distance is like minus 450 on DraftKings mm-hmm. right now. So yeah. pretty clearly the 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 – odds makers believe this fight will 
be finished. And you can see why both guys aren't very defensively uh, sound. Um, I like both fighters, like offensively speaking, they're fun fighters to watch. Ryan Spann feels like a guy that should be better than he is. I know, his, dude. His chin hasn't always held up. That's kind of been the reason for a lot of his losses. And then, I mean, like Anthony Smith put it on him in he his did. last fight. Yeah. Which I know Anthony Smith is really good, but Ryan Spann is huge. He's dude. a monster, dude. It's just, it's just crazy that he's just, he's kind of underperformed in my opinion. At yeah. this point. And Kudalaba is just a... I don't even know what to think of that guy. A madman. It scares me. I don't know what yeah. goes on in that guy's brain. But <laughs> it's uh, I don't. It's not a place I want to be. And You know, um, it's only... I, who knows what's going to happen in this fight. But I expect a little bit of cringe. But I do expect a pretty big knockout for somebody here. Yeah, I think so. Next up, Caitlin Chukagian did get that new contract from the UFC... She's under new management, Ali Abdelaziz. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so she was under that. Uh, that was kind of a talking point right now. I guess she was under the management, the same management team that uh, I forget what their name is, but the ones that manage Francis Ngannou, Kevin Lee. Oh, gotcha. So she didn't have a contract. It was kind of up in the air. Well, then she goes over to Ali Abdelaziz, and then she got a new contract. So hmm. um, over there with Dominance MMA. Yep. And she is welcoming Amanda Hivas back to the women's flyweight division. Yeah. Amanda Hivas, this is her, is Dominic, her first time here was just a one-off, just a, a big fight for her, just a, an opportunity to make make a statement. Yeah. Is that a little bit of what's happening here, or do you see Amanda oh. Hivas really committing to this move, the women's flyweight? Or does it depend on how this fight goes. Yeah, I think the commitment portion does depend on the result of this fight because if she wins, she's technically beating the number one flyweight in the world. So but true. but uh, this is weird. This was weird the second that this fight got announced that we talked about however many weeks or even months ago. She's number nine at strawweight, Amanda Heba. She had just cracked in, had a great three-round fight with uh, Virna Jandaroba, who's also on this card fighting Angela Hill. And, um, you know, I just think 115 is the weight class for her and she looked good she's you know she's five and one in the ufc four and one uh down there at straw weight so to move up here i think it's first off like it's one thing if you want to experiment at 125 dip your foot back and forth say she doesn't have to cut much weight for 115 you know just keep her options fresh but you're going in against caitlin chukagian so it's like well if you're if you can't beat caitlin what future do you have at flyweight at least right now with the state of the division the way it is so I think there's a lot of risk involved here, but yes, there's high reward as well. So we'll see what happens. But on paper, I mean, Caitlin Chukagian's longer. She's taller. She has the fight style to just keep Hibas away. I think it's a very, very uphill battle uh, for Hibas, which pains me to say. I love watching her fight. Her attitude's incredible, but this is tough. Yeah, this is, I mean, Caitlin Chukagian is that type of uh, opponent for any of strawweight that goes up. We thought. Andrade going up. We thought that was a huge test for her. Obviously, she passed that one in True. colors, but Hebus just isn't. That's not the same battle here, right? Hebus right. isn't even a big strawweight. I mean, yeah, she might be on the bigger side, but not to the point where you know Caitlin Chukagian is huge for this. <laughs> yeah, she used to be a bantamweight. Yeah, you know, I mean, she is very tall, lanky, strong for this division. Yeah, um, she is a tough matchup for almost anybody, and that's yeah. why she's clung on to that number one uh, contender ranking spot 
for as long as she has, even though she got destroyed by Valentina and hasn't even been considered for a rematch since. And I and I, I don't see that happening even with the win here. But um, it's weird because Hebus is the number nine ranked strawweight. Wasn't ever even higher than that. I mean, her yeah. her her biggest fight was Marina Rodriguez, who knocked her out twice in the fight. Yeah, yeah. And I know she's she looked really. She has a win over Mackenzie Dern, who's yeah. also now ranked higher. And like, I do think the potential for Amanda Hebus is very high. I is I think this is probably a business decision. Yeah, Caitlin probably wanted to fight. She's fought so many of the top. To everyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the UFC came calling and was like, "Amanda, you want to fight? Do you want to kind of come and try this out at flyweight?" And maybe she's just kind of looking at it like, "Look, if I lose, what's it really do? I just go back to yeah to strawweight and just continue my rise there." But she's also not been like super active. She has had a long layoff from her last I mean, one. Her last fight was in o- the end of October. Yeah, and, and before that it was January. That, yeah, so like twice a year is kind of the 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 path we're getting, which is fine, but it's not if you're wanting to do this kind of stuff. So right. I would just expect if she loses a decision here, doesn't take a ton of damage, I would hope that she'd be wanting to get back in there in a couple months back at strawweight or even back, back at flyweight, whatever she wants to do. But if she wins, I mean, Dominic, potential title fight. Uh, next for her just because I mean Valentina has beat everybody yep even if Taylor Santos goes in and beats her I mean I think either way that could be the next title fight right there is Amanda Hebas so yeah I think Amanda Hebas is fan friendly with her attitude she is a fun fight fighter whether she goes to the distance or gets submissions if she comes in and beats Caitlin Chukagian being that it is fresh I think you kind of have to give her a title shot I mean so like I said it's high risk a semi high reward, but maybe not so much oh, high I think reward. The reward, you know, the same is, time. The reward or I meant, I meant, I meant the other way. High reward, high kind of high risk, kind of, kind of high risk, risk a little yeah. bit. Yeah, See, sorry. I mean, the highest, <laughs> yeah, the risk part is the loss, yeah. right? It's just, yeah. it may be a loss of momentum. And again, if she keeps doing this two fight a year thing, I think you're right. right probably weighs it even more. Yeah. But I'm not quite looking that far ahead. I just think of what you have in front of you is, I think it's all. And this is like a win-win. I mean, basically, mm. like you lose, yeah. okay, you go back to your yeah. division, but you win, you get a title fight, and she's not even close to that at strong weight right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, this is one that I put on here for myself a little bit: the debuting Jake Hadley taking on Alan Nascimento. Now, Jake Hadley is an interesting story, Dominic. I know you remember from our past season of Dana White's Contender Series, Jake Hadley. Is this uh, this young flyweight that a lot of people were very interested in? His fight with I think it was Mitch Raposa was one of the higher level fights kind of booked for the whole season, so it kind of had some hype coming in. Well, then Hadley misses weight. Yeah. And then <laughs> when Dana is given the contracts or going down the line, you know Hadley sitting there in his chair. He looks like he just got told no, he couldn't have ice cream before dinner. Yeah. And um, Dana starts kind of ripping into him about how apparently he was like a huge dick. Yeah. <laughs> to like yeah. everybody, to the UFC staff, the matchmakers didn't like him, like all this stuff. They they didn't want him to sign him. 
the matchmakers, yes, right? Isn't right. this? Well, they stormed out apparently. Yeah, That's yeah. After, because what ends up happening is Dana's like, I'm just, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I really like this kid, and I kind of agree with them. You know, it's like weird because you list way. Yes, you put up a great performance against a very high level opponent, but the mixture, all the red flags yeah. that were there, probably maybe you don't give him a contract, but man. He looks like he could be really like a real something for this flyweight division, a real breath of fresh fresh air, right? Yeah. Now, making the weight has got to be a must, and I mean, he, he's a flyweight, right? So it's the lowest division we got in the UFC. But um, I'm just very intrigued by the debut. I want to see if it goes smooth, or if this is going to be just a theme for him. It's just a lot of antics, a lot of just <laughs> red flags, maybe. And Alan Nascimento. Not an easy opponent. He went to a split decision with Tahir Ulembekov in his last fight, and that was a very close fight that I remember watching. So um, I'm just excited to see this fight personally. Yeah, not to mention for Nascimento, Mr. Charles Oliveira going to be in his corner on Saturday night. And also, too, just for Jake Hadley, it's obviously his UFC debut here against a tough opponent, like you said, but... It just feels like it's a fight to make it right with the company, make it right with the fans. This guy's a former Cage Warriors champion that had tons of hype going into that Contender Man, Series fight. About the Cage Warriors so, uh, I mean, you know the talent that they produce. He's undefeated. He's 25 years old. Like, all of the positive up arrows are there for him, but he has he to make talk. it right. Yeah, yes. He does it all. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Next one, Vivian Arayujo taking on Andrea Lee, number eight versus number nine, also in that women's flyweight division. A bit of an underrated fight here, Dominic, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I really like this fight. Andrea Lee was on our Comeback Fighter of the Year nominees list at the Joey's last Purely year. because of your, that was your yeah. assistance on that. that was, yeah. That was all Dom, and I, and I don't disagree with the results. You know? I mean, we're, we're talking someone that was on, you know, three straight losses, granted two were split, but it looked like she was on her way out. And then in 2021 gets two... Uh, stoppage victories, Antonina Shevchenko and Cynthia Calvillo. Cynthia had to have a corner stoppage. Andrea Lee was beating her up so bad, so she's making it right, and this is a good fight against Vivian. Vivian, one of the most underrated women, I think, in this division. Uh, she is coming off of a loss, man, but she's 4-2 and two in the UFC. She just has a very well-rounded skill set. Andrea Lee used to be known as the striker, but then looked great against Antonina Shevchenko on the ground and got a submission, so it seems like her game's kind of becoming that well-rounded uh, capability as well. I think it's a very fun scrap. Number eight versus number nine. Someone's got to move up, uh, up her, or down. Her last fight was against Caitlin Chukagian, I believe. And uh, Vivian, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's about a year ago now, so it's a long way off. But I remember that fight because I watched it in your basement. One of the only pay per views we've gotten to watch together since uh, in a long time. Since yeah, you left BG, and um, I remember thinking Ariyujo had done enough to win that fight. I, that's probably the closest Chukagian's ever yeah. lost a decision in yeah. life. And um, I remember feeling like, man, because it was like, don't get me wrong, I like Caitlin Chukagian. I think she does offer something to this division. But man, I was like so hope. I was almost hopeful that Ariyujo would get the nod just to shake it up at the time. Yep. Right? Yep. Know, just, and then she did, and it's like, all right. That sucks. But because of that, I think that this is a very interesting fight. Because you're right, Andrea Lee clearly has the momentum and the strikings look really good. But then she's even kind of doing it on the ground sometimes. Mm -hmm. But Dominic, even though 
her takedowns have looked a lot better and just her overall offensive game on top just seems her ground and pounds looking a lot better. I still think that there might be a big hole in that takedown defense in that uh, bottom game, um, maybe not too comfortable there. And because of that, I think Arayujo could have a clear path to victory there. But make no mistake, if this fight stays standing or if Andrea Lee wants to try to make takedowns of her own, this could get pretty brutal one way or another. But uh, yeah. I see this fight going to full 15. It could be a war of nutrition. Um, yeah, I, I think this could go back and forth. Uh, a lot of momentum swings. I'm just... I don't really know who to lean. I think it's really a pick of 50-50. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the odds even say that. I think they're pretty close right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, know, I know Andrea Lee was climbing as a favorite. I think uh, minus 120 for Andrea, plus 100 on the comeback. Yep. Yeah. Um, next up, well, we're moving on to Bellator now. Mm-hmm. So next up for Bellator, the co-main event, Leoto the Dragon Machida. One of the coolest who? nicknames. <laughs> yeah. One of the coolest nicknames in MMA. He's back in this co-main spot against the brother of Leon Edwards, yeah. one Fabian Edwards. So this is in that welterweight division. So kind of an interesting placement here. Now, Machida's actually ranked number six at light heavyweight. So mm-hmm. um, I know he's kind of – he's bounced around his whole career. I don't know yeah. what exactly he's done in Bellator, bouncing around. But um, this is a big fight for Fabian Edwards. It's a big fight for Leoto, sure. But Leoto's been – you know, he's – a legend. His, yeah, the legacy cemented. Yeah, the legacy you know? cemented, right? So Fabian Edwards, though, I think with the win here, Dominic, depending on what happens with our title picture as far as is Amosov going to, obviously, I mean, he is <laughs> doing his uh, due diligence right now as a <laughs> yeah. citizen of Ukraine. Um, we don't know when he'll be back. And because of that, will we kind of have a defending interim champion? <laughs> and... Uh, because of that, Fabian Edwards might be fighting for a title fight here. Yeah, big fight for Fabian, like you said. I mean, he's 5-2 and two in Bellator, 9-2 and two overall, but he's lost two in a row. Granted, you know, one of them to which being with Austin Vanderford, a bloody mess that fight was. Uh, but Fabian, man, still only 29 years old. It just seems like the, I don't know, there's not even momentum because he's on a two-fight skid. I'd, Leoto coming down to fight a top four middle middleweight is just kind of scary if i'm being honest with you leota's not even done great in bellator two and three he's 43 years old i just i don't know man did you see did you see the realization on my face that i was talking about him like he's a welterweight oh yeah uh he's a middleweight uh, middleweight gay Musasi champion in that division but i still think that not maybe not necessarily to the extent i was saying before that he's like fighting for uh for a title fight but Kind of, maybe so. It gets him in the talks, for sure. Johnny Eblen's about to fight. Yes. I mean, Gegard's kind of just taking on all these. Whoever, yeah. Austin Austin Van Zandt, boom, done. (laughs) Yeah. Now Johnny Eblen, another young, undefeated wrestler, going to fight him. Yeah. How's that going to go? We'll find out. Eblen's talking some shit. I know that. But uh, with, with Fabian Edwards, he doesn't really play that same game. Yeah. That's what could be very interesting. Yes, you're right. Two straight losses. One of those being to Austin Vanderford. I don't know who the other loss is. To. I'm blanking on the last one. I wonder if it's to Johnny Evelyn. <laughs> with you. But, um, because of that, I think we if, if, if let's say Gegard gets through Johnny Evelyn and it's like, okay, well, that style of fighter is just not. Yeah, it. who's next? I think there's a chance Fabian could slip in and be like a, a decent matchup for Gegard. Yeah. yeah, I agree for sure. Next up, 
this is an interesting fight. We just had a title fight in this women's flyweight division uh, for Bellator a couple weeks ago where we had a pretty controversial ending. Now we have a new champion. Um, why am I blanking on the champion's name? Uh, oh, it's Liz Carmouche. Yeah. Duh. Thank you. I was like, oh, God. Who Dom, smashed I'm, I'm, one Dom, half of this fight? I'm like, Dom, don't slip. Don't slip on me now. There, there were a lot of names going yeah, through the brain uh, there. Liz Carmouche uh, finally got to the mountaintop, beat Juliana Velasquez. There's probably going to be a rematch for that yeah. fight just because of the controversy of the ending and the finish. But because of that, here you got Denise Kielholtz taking on Kana Watanabe. Both in interesting positions. Kielholtz was in a very close decision loss to uh, Juliana Velasquez in her only title defense. Meanwhile, Kana Watanabe was kind of the undefeated young stud who got smashed by Liz Carmouche in under a minute. Yeah. So for Watanabe, clearly looking to try to win back some, I guess, fans, win back some momentum, try to just steer the ship here and, and get right back on track. For Denise Kielholtz, I mean, you're trying to hold ground, right? Because she does have a claim to a little bit of a claim. Like some people really wanted to see that rematch with her and Velasquez. Yeah. So for her, she's just going to look to play this safe and try to just get the victory so she can hold steady. And that could become interesting if Watanabe is really looking to push that action and um, make it more of a show rather than uh, what you might see Kielholtz do here. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Kana looking, obviously, to right the ship, potentially looking to get revenge with Liz Carmouche this time for her title on the line should she win here. Denise would be a fresh matchup with Liz Carmouche. So if she wins here, say they don't do that rematch with Juliana, uh, then, you know, maybe they, for all we know, they could match up Justine Kish now with Juliana Velasquez. You know, who knows what Bellator will do. I know they like booking rematches, so they'll probably do that. But if Denise wins and even, make, say she does it convincingly against Kana like Liz Carmouche did, I think there's an argument there to put her in with Liz Carmouche uh, as the champion now. So uh, we'll see what happens. There's a lot on the line, number two versus number three. Last one, Paul Daly said this was his retirement yep. fight. It was supposed to be, though, against oh, – I'm going to forget the guy's name. God, I need to really have these names. <laughs> I, I always do this. I, like, know who I'm talking about, and then they just leave my <laughs> Russian guy that had that crazy uh, spin kick couple months ago yeah that Andre guy. Korshkov that's who I'm thinking there you go so he was supposed to fight Korshkov here who's now out so because of that I don't know much about Wendell Gaiacomo but I do know this might be the last time we see Paul Daly fight and it's kind of unfortunate that he's uh I mean hopefully he gets a win here and can kind of go out into the sunset with a victory but and for all we know maybe his opponent might offer more than than we think but I kind of was really hoping he could get that fight with, like, Korshkov, but that would just be this, like, barn burner. just so yeah. good. And, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but all in all, I'm, I'm happy to see Paul Daly get that fight in London last time. I assume that's still the last time. And, uh, yeah, what a career for Paul Daly. A tale of two careers. 63 fights it'll be for him versus... 12 fights for Wendell Giacomo. So we'll see how it plays out for the Bellator debutante. Yep. That's going to wrap it up for the rest. And let's transition into the below average bet slip. Oh, something this. new for the show, huh? Woo. Yeah. So, Dom, 
Dominic, if you want to get that pulled up. <laughs> For those that don't watch the betting show, it usually takes a few seconds to pull it up. There it is in all of its glory, baby. Yeah, yeah, there we go, there we go. So we're just going to go over our plays for this week. Um, UFC only, Dominic wouldn't let me put my Bellator picks on. This is not true. No, it's not true at all. But he was like, well, it won't fit on the graphic. And I was like, what? I was like, fine. I was like, I'm not talking about it. And he only put the UFC poster up there because he's a UFC homer. Dude doesn't even watch Bellator. I'm just like, used to what we've been no. doing. <laughs> anyway. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you guys don't want to see my Bellator picks because they ain't going to hit. They're not going to hit. They're just not. I'm just Noah's I'm, going for the fucking Grand Slam this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I told Dom, and I'm just trying to win back some money. <laughs> yeah. That's the um, mindset. So let's stick with the UFC, right? We got, we got our plays up here, Dominic. I want you to start out of all your singles. So we'll start with the singles. We'll go to the parlays later. Yeah. Which single is your like lock? This is my most confident play of the week. Oh, most confident play of the week. I think I'm going Nick Maximoff. So I, I, uh, it, this was an interesting single for me because it's kind of like a single, but it's a same fight parlay essentially yeah, is what it is right. uh, through DraftKings. By the way, these are all through DraftKings Sportsbook. Shout out to you guys if you want to, you know, sponsor the Joes. Anyway. Uh, so Nick Maximov to win plus he had the fight has to go over a round and a half. It came in at minus one seventy five. You know, for those that haven't watched um, our betting show, that's now just being put in here as a segment. Our below average bet uh, essentially. If you haven't watched before, uh, you know, especially for guys like Maximov, he's a minus three eighty on the money line, right? So I'm always trying to find ways, especially for the big favorites. How can I get that as close to even money as I can? Get more value for my dollar. So to have this at minus 175, I feel very confident. He's a guy that is a decision machine in the UFC. He's not the most fan-friendly fighter, but he's undefeated, and he just drags people (laughs) into deep water and drowns them. Shout out Nick Diaz Army, by the way. He fights out of their camp in Cali. Sounds Uh, like. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, you know, he's fighting Andre Petrosky. If you don't know, he fought on the uh, Ultimate Fighter last year. He's done well in his two fights in the UFC. But he doesn't have a very good gas tank, and Maximov goes for days and days and days. So I think the longer this goes, uh, it sways exponentially into Maximov's favor, favor more than a minus 380. Uh, so over one and a half. I didn't want to necessarily go with a decision because I could see him getting a late KOTK on the ground or even a late submission. So Maximov the win over one and a half, minus 175. I got to say that's the one I'm most confident with this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me, got to be Caitlin Chukagian by decision. I mean, she's got the... <laughs> that was my first record. ever bet on the, the nosebleeds yeah, back in the day. The, she's got the record for the most decision wins. Is it in all the UFCs? Is it just overall? <laughs> Definitely in women's, but probably yeah. all. <laughs> uh, for her to win by decisions plus 110, I mean, it's plus money. It's just like when I say this is the female version of Andre Arlovsky <laughs> yeah. by decision at this yeah. point. Now, I will admit, you know, Amanda Heba is a better opponent than some of her previous Chukagian and his opponents, but I just think it's a tough matchup for Amanda Hebos. I mean, Chukagian is just a lot bigger than her, and Hebos isn't exactly like Andrade, who has, like, lethal power. Right. You know, that's just... Uh, Amanda Hebos, I will admit, with the long limbs of Chukagian, perhaps a submission uh, scares me a little bit, but um, I'm going to stick to my guns here. Caitlin Chukagian, a new contract, maybe trying to look to make another run for a title gets the win by decision plus 110 yeah i like that 
So Dominic, you do have a couple more singles here, so why don't you go ahead and just uh, unload the clip right now. Yeah, for those that are on audio, I guess they can't see this, but guys, the rest of mine, uh, Ryan Spann, Moneyline plus 180, couldn't believe this line. Um, I am uh, kind of surprised by I, it. I didn't even yeah. notice it, Dominic, because I was so not, like this fight, Spann and uh, yeah. Kudalaba, I'm just like, I don't know where to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I skipped over it. Yeah. But then when you sent me your picks, I was like, Wait a minute, he's plus 180? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I There have been a couple lines like that that we've had on this show. Uh, you know, granted, I've not had success with all of them, but this one, I, I, I can't not take the chance when there's that much value on someone that I feel like, like, should this fight be anything more than a pick essentially? Like, it's not like both guys are riding a bunch of momentum. Both guys are finishers, but Ryan Spann, I believe, has more ways to finish this fight. He has a ton of submissions, a ton of knockouts. Even if it goes the distance, I could see him having the better over Kudalaba. At plus 180, I'm always willing to take a risk when I feel a fight should be close to even money. So Ryan Spann money line, uh, Alexander Rakich in the main event by KO, TKO, DQ, or decision. It's a double chance winning method for those, again, that are new to our bets. Uh, it was a minus 175. I think there's good value there. He's a minus 195 at money line. No, and I don't like to play money lines if they're in more than 200, so I still could have there. But, you know, let's just knock it down a little. I think if he gets a submission, I'm going to be super pissed off. I'll put it that way. Uh, but, yeah, those are the rest of my singles. Could you imagine if he pulled up a uh, submission? I'll just quit forever. <laughs> Man. Yeah, my, my, I have two more singles here. Uh, that co-main event, I, I'm not confident in picking a winner. But for Ryan Spann and Jan Kudalaba, I'm pretty confident this fight will go under the one and a half rounds. Yeah. That's at uh, minus 140. Minus 140. Sorry, I passed over it on my sheet here. Minus 140 are the odds for that one. I mean, you just look at these guys. I don't have the exact numbers, but they their finishing rates are in like the 90 percent yeah and their rates of being finished and their losses are are high as well high. <laughs> yeah so, um to me it's gonna be early i just think these two guys are very explosive out the gate they're very they very much are they take risks they go straight yeah. to the fire kudalava especially you know he's like a you know he's a wild man so he yeah just comes out there doing some crazy shit uh, so I think someone's going to fall early here. And uh, last one, Michael Johnson money line. Damn it. I love it. I love Minus it. 155. I know he's on a four-fight losing streak. He's 19 and 17 overall <laughs> in his career. But damn it, Michael Johnson is the he is the worst best fighter ever. There's no better way to put it. No, Truly, no better way. For a guy that has the, the resume. And some would call it underachieving. I would call it bad luck mixed with just, I don't know, a big discrepancy in how he shows up from fight to fight. Yeah. He's just not always on 100, you know? Yeah. But he was when he beat Tony Ferguson, when he beat Dustin Poirier. Right. When he beat Edson Barboza. Need I say more? He's fighting Alan Patrick here. Patrick does not have very good striking. He does have good wrestling. He does have good... Um, Top control doesn't do a lot of damage on top. Yeah, Michael Johnson does have a terrible bottom game, so I am kind of nervous about that. But I think the most likely outcome is that Johnson kind of pieces this guy up on the feet for the greater two, two and a half rounds. Maybe gets a late finish. Maybe goes to a decision. Mm -hmm. Michael Johnson 
even in his losses. Like, you look at some of these losses. I mean, like Josh Emmett, who, you know, is riding a huge wave right now. Josh Emmett got that crazy knockout of him yes. a couple years ago in round three. If nobody remembers, but Michael Johnson was dominating that fight for yep. the entire three rounds. And now look at what Josh Emmett's doing. Then you have, like, uh, who, I forget who it was. Was it Tiago Moises? Yeah, Tiago Moises put him yep. in the bar. He looked him, whatever it was. That first round, Michael Johnson won that round, in my opinion. So, because of that, I'm buying in that there's still a little bit left here for Michael Johnson. He also didn't look too bad in that, uh, that there was that really good decision fight he lost. Was that the Clay Guida? He did fight Clay Guida, yeah, yes. That was yes. a really good fight. I remember kind of thinking he might win that one. He didn't. But, you know, I think Patrick is a step below these guys that I'm talking about. And because of that, I think he's got one more left at him. I'm here winning me some money, Dan. While we're talking about Michael, before we move into the parlays, I had to bring this up because I saw it on Twitter today. There's a picture of Michael Johnson because it's his fight week, and someone said, Michael Johnson, the type of guy that go go win the title from Oliveira, then lose in his first defense to Clay Guida. And I just I, I cracked <laughs> up, dude. We're t- this is the guy that's beaten Tony Ferguson, beaten Dustin Poirier, but he'll lose to the worst fighter in the division. It's just, it's so crazy the yeah. career that he's had. Dude. It's it's all, it's all, it's actually unfortunate, but also it's just such a unicorn of a career that I I'm just impressed by it. Yeah, just... yeah. Now for the parlays, Dominic. You know, me and you, we love us some parlays, right? And, we shouldn't, uh, but we do. We should. <laughs> yeah, we're not good at them, but we, we like them. Uh, <laughs> So I'm going to go first here. I'll let you go first for the singles, so I'm hogging the shine this time. That's fine. We both we both come in with two parlays this week. I, I took a gap from parlays for, for a little while. Yeah, we both were off last yeah. week. I needed a break, right? Yeah. I just need some time. But I'm back, and I think I got some good ones here. My big one, the Moneyline Parlay, plus 193. Um, I, I've been – this has kind of been the only parlay method I've been somewhat – successful with i would say overall probably net positive on on this kind of style of parlay just heavy favorites like again you were talking about this earlier this card is filled with heavy favorites and big Mm -hmm. underdogs so because of that the parlays are kind of essential to getting a lot of value out of some of the the low-hanging fruit of this card yeah so here jake hadley i talked about him earlier Alan Nascimento, no slouch, but I think Jake Hadley's got a lot bigger fights in his future. Yeah. Davy Grant, I love this fight with Davy Grant. This is an awesome fight, yes. I think that Davy Grant, yes, he, he's. I think he's coming off a loss, actually. He's got losses to, like, Marlon Vera and Adrian Yanez. Nearly won that fight from Adrian Yanez. Yeah. I think he gets a win here via finish, but ultimately I just did the money line on the parlay, but... Davey Grant's an absolute warrior. Uh, lastly, Alexander Rakic in the main event. I was tentative. I was a little tentative to even go out on a limb for his main event, but I kept thinking about it. And all I said earlier, I was like, I know people, a lot of people, like even you talked about this, Don, were thinking that maybe Jan Blahovic might wrestle his way to some sort of victory. And yeah. I was like, man, just a couple years ago, that was like his biggest weakness. And I'm like, I just have a hard time believing that that's gonna what the way he fought like Adesanya. I just don't think that works against the guy the size of Alexander Rakic. And yeah, all in all, the spite on the feet. You take the age discrepancy. Maybe it's catching up to Blahovich at this point. Rakic is right in his prime years, thirty years old. I think he gets to win in this main event, no matter if it's a dull fight or an exciting one. Plus one ninety three. 
is what the parlay comes to. That's a pretty big one for me. I usually don't go. That is a big so one. Steep. Uh, yeah. I tried three three legs is about the max that you'll see from me anymore. Yeah. And uh, with my second one, I only did two. Uh, this is a well, I don't have a name for it, but <laughs> it's a prop bet parlay. Yeah. Uh, but both similar props. First one, Mirna Jandarova, Angela Hill. I have that fight to go to distance. And then Ryan Spann, Jan Kudalava for that fight to not go the distance. So am I going to regret, have, are we going to regret, I should say, having all these units on that fight like we did with uh, Miguel Baez? <laughs> hopefully not. Listen, um, the worst scenario this week for the below average bet slip is a Yon Kudalaba decision victory. Oh that that, that is going to be the kryptonite. Yeah. Could you imagine? I, I Dominic, you know these last few weeks have been beating me down. They've been testing you. Yeah. We, I, 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 took, I got rid of our betting show because <laughs> maybe partly because of it. I was about to just retire. I'm telling you, if that happens, I might explode. And, <laughs> But Jandarova, Angela Hill, I mean, I want to put money on that fight to go to a split decision. I mean, come on. I think that's an exciting fight. But um, both just kind of, they, they depend on their gas tanks and their output to kind of Durable, man. Wins. Yeah, yeah, very durable, both of them. So um, I just don't see either one of them really getting the finish. Unless Birna can maybe get a submission. But uh, Angela Hill never really been finished like that. So. I would say if you guys are comfortable doing so, for that fight to go to a split decision, it's probably like plus 600 or something. Dude, I'm pulling it up real quick. Like, I'm very much considering dropping at least a little something on it. Well, we were even talking about that same kind of prop or a fight prop with Andre Arlovsky because he's been in so many split decisions as well, you know. Uh, This fight to be won, let me see, to be won by split or majority decision plus 425. If anybody wants to sprinkle, I'm gonna go ahead and say it now. I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna put a full unit on it. Ooh, that's, that's for the Benson. I'm putting that fight to go to a split or majority decision. <laughs> I love savage. I love it. Because damn it, Angela. We missed out on the Arlovsky chance <laughs> yeah, to do it. I'm doing it. Fuck it, man. Dominic wouldn't let me talk about Bellator, so I'm just gonna say fuck it. Let it ride. I love it. Now, Dominic. Your parlays to finish us off here. Well, shit, my money line, I don't even have to talk about. Just subtract <laughs> Alexander Rakich. Uh, so me and Noah are on the same boat here for the parlay. Copy and paste what he said. I actually think, Noah said he thinks uh, David Grant's going to get a finish. I, I believe the same thing. Uh, him by finish is minus 125. I think that's yeah, really good value. I that. I yeah, I almost did the same thing as a single. Shit, I might even add that on later. Oh. We, we, come some Monday, Keep we might ride. have a whole new shit <laughs> on the paper. But, uh, yeah, I think both those guys get it done at minus 108, almost plus money. I love that parlay there to bring those down. Those are huge favorites. I think alone Grant's a 300 and Hadley's minus 220. So, uh, And then my parlay, uh, the other one, plus 110, another two-leg. Jandaroba Hill, two go the distance as Noah has. And then I, the second fight is uh, Vivian Araujo and Andrea Lee to also go the distance Noah said it best earlier when we were previewing it during the rest portion of the episode. I think it's going to be scrappy. I think it's going to be a pretty fun fight, really back and forth and close. Uh, but I don't see a finish happening in that one. Even with Andrea Lee's finish streak that she's on, I think both are just durable. And that's what it comes down to for those types of parlays. Plus 110, there it is. Plus women's fights just over 50% right. uh, decision rate. So, I mean, yeah. that's, if you want to be a sexist pig like me, 
Jeez. That, that, that's something as well. Um, yeah. But that's going to wrap it up for the below average bet slip. Get rid of that graphic. Put us back in the center, Dominic. I feel so small in my little corner. In your little There's box. There's our banners. There's our banners. Okay, okay. Now to wrap up the show, of course, it's time for closing statements. The part of the show where me and Dominic are allowed to talk about anything and everything. It doesn't have to be related to MMA. Just anything to get off our chest to send us into the weekend. Dominic, any closing statements for this Thursday? Closing statement, uh, Pool Boy Dom is officially back in commission. Hot Boy Summer. Yes, hot, well, I hope so, right? Uh, the the family pool is opened as we speak, but we're, we got to clean it up from the offseason, get all the stuff out the guck, flush it with the drugs, the chemicals, clean the water, get it ready. Hopefully by this weekend, I'm swimming and winning money watching fights, baby. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Pool Boy Dom back in the saddle. Now... Here's something kind of crazy. New season of Stranger Things coming out here. Soon. Oh, let's talk. And, and may we not forget about the the uh, monster from Stranger Things that you found when cleaning out your pool last summer. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the picture in insert picture here. Monster oh, in the God. pool. You're gonna show that to people? Actually, no. I probably shouldn't. They're gonna be like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" Yeah, yeah no, never mind. No picture. No picture. Graphic. Our video is gonna get blocked from YouTube. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just take our word for it. It was disgusting. I don't even. I don't know. I don't even know what Dominic's uncle tried to act like he knew what it was. He didn't know what. No it one. Was. It was a demogorgon. It, it was a demogorgon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but shout out Stranger Things. I'm excited for season four mm-hmm. coming up here soon. Even though, God, I still have, still got to watch the last season of Ozark. Still haven't seen that. Oh, I've heard good things about Ozark, by the way. Man, I watched all of it when I had COVID the first time. And because I watched it all in like three days, I feel like I like forget everything. <laughs> yeah. That was like two years ago. I just, yeah. It's hard when you binge watch a show all at once, like one time frame, like a couple days a week week and a half two weeks whatever and then you have to like a year later a new season comes out and it's like oh shit i kind of forget what happened dude it's <laughs> funny you mentioned that and we're talking about stranger things too because season two in our dorm i believe it was old camp that year i watched season two of stranger things on a friday one sitting start to finish i believe you Yes, um, it was not Old Scamp. It was Offenhauer. Offenhauer, sorry, Old Scamp was a dizzy uh, classroom building. I was like, this man. We how long have we been out of college? I was, like, come on, dude. I was really? sitting in the lecture hall you watching. About, you forgot about the Howard Towers. The Howard Towers. Oh, Shout out Stranger Things season two. Yeah, Stranger Things season four coming soon. Is that going to really be my closing statement for today? I mean. I don't know if I really have anything else. I, 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 so fun fact. Okay. I love fun facts. Jeffersonville, Indiana is 20 minutes from Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. So because of that last weekend when I was at a wedding in Ohio and the whole talk to town, the whole area was of course in, in, in raveled in the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Obsessed with the Kentucky Derby. So I came back to work on Monday to have all these people asking me, were you at the Derby? Who'd you, did you bet on the winning horse? Did you have a little Derby party or something? And I'm like, nope. So I'm like, you know what? 
I need to get into this a little bit. Oh, shit. So, you know, I got to try to get some fancier clothes because I don't They do be bougie at the Derby. But uh, I found out today they do horse races just all day, every day, all week. Yeah. You can buy, like, cheap tickets and just go. Yeah, people do it all the time. They have no idea. So, so you're getting into I'm horse play, racing. I'm, I'm planning to make some trips, I guess, uh, uh, here soon. And I could, and I, what I'm really excited about is I can make this a thing for when people come and visit me. It can be like, you want to go to the horse track? <laughs> so is this you're hinting when I come to visit? That's what yes, we're doing. Exactly. Okay. We're gonna go to the horse track. We will ride horses. Well, here's the thing. We'll go in together on a horse. We'll name it Joey, and we're gonna win the Derby. <laughs> Well, it's got to be a little more elaborate than that. It's got to be like, because like all the names are like, true. They like to make it hard on the uh, announcers. Yeah, right? like, yeah. They, like uh, it's it's got to. I mean, I guess below average Joe could be uh, below the, average Joe, the horse. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're coming in eighty to one odds, just like the Derby winner from the Saturday, and we're making bank millions of dollars. Done. That's gonna wrap it up here. Uh, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we will see you on Monday. I missed the button.